So I was on Instagram one day and I saw a post that said, has anyone ever called you out as being codependent? So I was kind of like, yeah, and I was sort of raising my hand alone in my room. And yeah, women are really socialized to be codependent. But think about it. If you're codependent with somebody else, co basically means you're all dependent. So this episode is truly for you. If you feel like you've taken on too much responsibility in your life and you haven't been able to be yourself. If you've never been called out for being codependent, that doesn't mean you aren't. So listen to this and find out. When you know about something, you can change it. You're listening to The Boundless Heart, your favorite podcast, right? I'm your host, Elsie. I'm a codependent in recovery, but I am crushing it, and I know you can too. We're here to empower you into shameless self-respect, independence, and equal partnership. Today I have for you Makia Smith-Thomas. She is a blogger and spiritual guide. Her blog is The Hote Goddess. We talk about her personal discovery of codependency in herself, so she is well-equipped to give great tools and tips to all of us to figure out if we're codependent or have these tendencies and then how to stop having them. I like to say that every brand of spirituality leads you to the door. Many people will spend their whole entire lifetime searching for the key to that door within the spirituality that got them there. Here's the thing, that's not where the key is. The spirituality gets you to the door. You gotta open it by standing up for yourself, speaking your truth, being your full authenticity, like Angela Duckett was talking about a few weeks ago in episode 9. You're the key. So hold on tight. We're going to go for a ride in this episode, and we're going to find that key, and I'll meet you on the other side of that door, where we're all free. Makia, what made you realize you had been acting codependently? (laughs) That's such a great question. (laughs) I talk about this in my blog a lot, because for years, I genuinely attributed my issues to being an empath. And initially, I actually thought it was because I was an only child. So I had created all these stories around why things weren't quite working out for me the way that I wanted them to. But what really brought it to a head was essentially my coach who brought it to my attention. I'm like describing myself and I'm thinking I'm being all ethereal and cool and all these things. And she just kind of stops me in the middle and she's like, well, has anyone ever told you that you're codependent? And when I tell you like it was life-changing. Like I had never considered that. And I was so grateful for that information because from there I was like, okay, I've been treating the wrong symptom. And also with the term empath, I think it is a kind of a loaded term, which has a lot of really great qualities and connotations, but also some kind of negative ones too. And for me, I was leaning into more of the the more, well, I'm just sensitive. I can't help it. More of the more helpless kind of not so great parts of being an empath. So this information around being codependent helped me along the right path and also helped me to become more of an empowered empath and kind of separate the two. Yeah. (laughs) For me, that's what it was. Did that cause any kind of ego reaction? The word codependent? It would have for me. Well, it has Oh, for sure. No, I mean, for sure. Because what I thought codependent was I just kind of thought of it as someone who kind of just chose the wrong people. 
And while that wasn't the worst thing that you could be called, it definitely didn't make me feel warm and fuzzy. At first, I was a little taken aback. But as soon as I started to Google it, I was like, oh, God, this is me. This is me. This is really what I need to work on and not focus so much on the empathic aspect of my challenges. Once I delved into that, everything changed. I got very clear very quickly that this had been my block. Tell me what you were like before your coach called you out as codependent. <laughs> You've already said empath, but what were the signs? And the reason I'm asking you to tell your story like mm-hmm. this is because we will all relate. Well, not all of us are going to relate yeah. to being an empath, but any empath yeah. is going to say, oh, <laughs> and it might open some eyes to their own. Hey, you can actually work on these things, which we'll get into later to change. That's a great question. First of all, I want to say that I think most people are codependent on some level. And I especially think women are. I think that we're somewhat socialized to be that way. But the way that it showed up for me was really just losing myself in my relationships, whether it be my romantic relationships or my friendships. They just were so, so important to me. So like I said before, at first, I'm an only child. So maybe I make my friendships more important because I don't have siblings. I treat my friends like my siblings, which can be true on a certain level, but in terms of the level of intensity and expectation that I would put on my friendships, it just was a little bit off kilter. Romantic relationships were just another level, like literally putting aside all of my goals, plans, anything that I had on the agenda would completely go to the wayside to make myself available for my man. And I really think that a lot of women should look into codependency because I think that because of how we are socialized and how movies romanticize and give this kind of false notion of what love should be, that it should be this self-sacrificing kind of thing. And women in general, like getting these badges of honor for being self-sacrificing and pushing their needs down and just making everything else more important than them. That is how we are taught to love. And it's really, really damaging and negative. And it is not the most positive way to go about things. But when you don't have any guidance and you kind of, you know, and I had great parents, but like they, we didn't talk about love in that regard. I watched my parents have a great, great marriage, but we didn't have like, you know, meetings about, okay, this is what you do when you're in love, you know? So I just kind of felt my way through. It was a beautiful disastrous and lovely journey. So that's what it is for me. Well, I resonate with you. So if nobody else does, (laughs) I feel like I could have said the exact same thing, especially about I had great parents, but you're right. There was, I mean, I didn't even see, I might've seen them kiss twice. I never (laughs) saw, it's funny you should say that. I never saw my parents kiss. They were lovely to each other, but I never saw physical Mm -hmm. affection at all. So I just, I was kind of making it up as I was going along and I just, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And another thing that I realized that was a huge cornerstone for me of my codependent space was I made other people my source so that their behavior was just way too important. If that particular day they did everything that in my mind I wanted them to do, life was good. 
But if they strayed from that in any way, like it would take me down, which is an absurd way to live, right? Because you're not in control of your life. You're not in control because everything is dependent upon how everybody else does what they are decide to do from day to day, which has nothing to do with you. They're on their own independent path and you're holding them to these unrealistic expectations. So it just creates a whole lot of chaos. It does. And think about how much energy it takes <laughs> that you're putting on other people that you could have been putting into those dreams, which I want to get to. I really do want to, I want to ask, but first you mentioned movies. Yes, we are. We are socialized through the romantic notions that are put forth in movies. Yes. Mm -hmm. Here's a thought I had just the other day. Maybe it was yesterday. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Women are trained to be like the princesses in the movies, mm -hmm. but men are not trained to be like the princes. And also, um, come on. Not all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at all. Like, they, they don't even strive to be that guy. I mean, I shouldn't make generalizations, but I just don't think societally that is how our boys are raised. And like, let's not even get into like toxic masculinity and all the things that come with, you got to have all the girls and you got to be this, you get the last guy finishes last, like all of that stuff. That's a whole other thing that they deal with. So we have them over there <laughs> with their mixed messages and us over here with our false, straight up false messages. Actually, I believe that some of the things that we're taught even if it's just by observation, like I said, no one's sitting down saying these things, but it's just that we should be available and that we should be nice and we should be lovely and we shouldn't speak up too much. And you have to do this for your man and you, there's certain things you just have to do and you should, I mean, it just breeds all kinds of negativity and really creates a lot of self-worth issues and women because your validation is connected to like being chosen by men. And that's a whole other thing. That could be a show in and of itself. Yes, it could. <laughs> it could. I have done the same as you. I have totally abandoned myself for relationships. I'm a Libra five times over. So I'm all about relationship. Mm -hmm. I never learned how to actually be me in one. Mm. I thought that I was the relationship, mm -hmm. if that makes nope, sense. I get it. What were some dreams of yours? That you re recall, do you recall? I feel like sometimes we don't even realize we're giving them up. And then it's like, they're just forgotten until one day we feel empty and we're like, what happened? <laughs> yes. I have a really perfect example from my blog. Like I started blogging when I first got divorced almost perfect. 10 years ago. And I was having this amazing, amazing experience just discovering this really creative part of myself. I loved it. It was well-received. It was back in the day before like social media was really what it was. So it was really just a physical blog. But people started to read it and I was getting great comments and all these things. So then I meet this great guy who's lovely. And he's older, so he doesn't quite understand the internet. And in the same way, not that he was that much older, but he just, he was like 10 years older. So he's thinking, well, you have this great job. Why are you spending your time doing this? You should just focus on your job. You can make this much more money at your job if you focus on that. And because I used to spend my Sundays working on my blog, and then I wanted to spend my Sundays with him now that I had a man, and he wasn't all that interested in it, and he didn't really think that that was the, you know, the move for me, I stopped working on my blog at the time, which is absolutely, 
I mean, it is what it is. I, I try not to have, I do not have any regrets, but it is a perfect example of like, I'm thinking about the fact that I've stopped and started and stopped and started. Had I never done that, who knows where I would be, but everything happens as it should. But the irony is that the one thing that really woke me up and got me through my divorce, I put on the shelf once I quote unquote got a man. I do think about that quite often. He was lovely, but I definitely abandoned something that was really important to me to be available to him. Again, I could say the exact same thing. (laughs) I know you're seeing my face. I got divorced when I was 28 years old Mm -hmm. and I went across the country, found myself knew who I was, what I was going to settle for and not settle Ooh. for. And and then I, <laughs> in my kind of introductory shorter episode, I said cultural conditioning runs deep it does. because, wow, I just didn't even realize what I was doing. And I was falling right back into that. Pres- what is it? A, it's a prescription, basically. Yeah, it's like just a. I mean, just these weird societal norms that, and it's, again, it's so unspoken and it's so subtle. It's like, of course, you know, the feminists would be crazy. They go crazy to hear this. Of course, no one's saying abandon, no one's saying that to us, but we are quietly seeing these women who are a little bit more meek and who have a, you know, maybe not as, you know, as bigger personalities or whatever, or, or these dreams, like these are the ones that are the wives. These are the ones that seem to have, that seem to have, and I now know that that's all BS, but seem to have the better marriages and the white picket fence and the kids and the dog and all the house and all these things. So maybe this is who I need to be to have these things. You know, I have to put time into the relationship. So all these things that are just unhealthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you said it. It's very quiet. Mm-hmm. It's very subtle. I wish I could credit because I don't recall the name, but mm-hmm. I'll put this in the show notes for everyone. The, a link to her Instagram account. Mm-hmm. She was talking about how she would hear often growing mm-hmm. up, people would say to the girls, girls mature faster than boys. So cut them some slack. I'm not quoting her perfectly, no. mm-hmm. but we never heard anybody say to any girl, or to, to any boy. God, yeah, to any boy. I'm torturing this. <laughs> to any boy. You know what? Girls mature faster than you, so look to them for leadership and intelligence. <laughs> said no one ever. Oh, my God. That's literally never happened. Like, I've, I've never... It almost sounds foreign when you even flip it that way. I've heard it the other way a million times. As a matter of fact, I was having a conversation with girlfriends the other night. Where I, and this is not to knock men because I think men are wonderful, but there are realities around maturity. I believe that most men act seven years younger than their calendar age. That's one of the reasons why I, in general, and not that I'm not open to all things, but in general, I tend to date a little older just to kind of make up for that, especially as I've gotten older. It, it makes a difference as you get older, like in terms of where you are in life, when you're in your 20s and having fun. It's one thing, but now I'm in a new, I'm in a new place and I don't really necessarily want to deal with a whole bunch of extra stuff, but I totally agree with you on that. Let's talk about what we can do if we, (laughs) first of all, it's really hard to know that you're codependent. So what are some signs? What can people listening look for and and it is going to be in yourself but it might also be in a relationship yep. that you're in 
What kind of things can you look out for that say, oh, wait, this might be codependency? That's more than just you're giving away yourself or mm. you're abandoning yourself because that's even hard to tell. Yeah, so I know. What, what does that feel like? What happens? Well, I'm not a doctor, but from what I've researched and my experience and even just like digging a little bit deeper into my personality, the neediness, being controlling because you're needy, so you need to control things, being super judgmental, maybe experiencing some self-sabotage, being a passive aggressive, using sex to get attention and accepting it instead of love, which is a really interesting one. Have you ever heard of CODA? Do you know about CODA? I didn't know about CODA until my coach told me about it. I have just been introduced to it from a friend. Yeah. Well, for those who do not know, CODA is Codependence Anonymous. There is an entire organization that is dedicated to healing codependent tendencies, which is um, akin to Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, they have literature, they have meetings. This is a serious, serious thing. This is why I think that everybody should dig into it a little bit. Because like I said, I think most people, especially women, have a little sprinkle of it. I don't think that it impacts everyone in the same way as intensely, but I do think that it can be debilitating if you are assigning it some other meaning, right? Like for me, it was the empath thing or that I was an only child, so I didn't have these skills. No, it was that I was codependent and needy because of work that I needed to do around my self-worth. And to be honest, it's all about self-worth. It all comes back to self-worth because when your self-worth is where it's supposed to be, like 99% of all this stuff goes out the window. Essentially, low self-worth behavior like can also be kind of like considered codependent, but just making anything other than whatever you believe in your source, putting too much attention on other people and what they do. Another thing that the literature said that could be a codependent trait is that you're either super responsible or super irresponsible. I was more on the irresponsible side of things. It's so interesting because it's like you think of it only as being relationships. It's way more. It really permeates all aspects of your life. So um, it's, it's fascinating. So like I said, once I got that information, I ran with it. And I'll tell you, like within a month, so much of my behavior had just completely gone away because, again, I was treating the wrong issue all this time. And so once I realized that's what it was, it was really about getting my self-esteem together, forgiving myself for a lot of things and healing. And then from there, a lot of that stuff just fell away. Can you tell us what you read or did you go to meetings? How did you work? <laughs> How did you work on yourself? What did you use? I did go to meetings and this is no disrespect to the CODA community, but I think they asked you to do six meetings before you decide whether you want to move forward. And I did my six meetings. I immediately stepped back from it because I am very careful about what I put behind the words I am. So I am codependent, started to not feel good to me anymore. I choose to say I used to have codependent tendencies or sometimes I have codependent tendencies. I think it's really important what you align yourself with and how you identify because you can get stuck there. It takes a while to find the right meeting because some meetings are just, they just want to share some meetings are more teaching. I think the teaching meetings are much more impactful because it gets you out of the realm of the problem and into the realm of the solution, which are two different vibes. So the vibes of 
this is who I am and I can't get my life together. No judgment. I understand that's part of it. I didn't want to stay there. (laughs) I wanted to spend more time with, okay, this is how you heal this. Or if you're dealing with this, it could be because of this. Like I learned, for instance, my dad got sick when I was 13 years old. And I learned that the children of sick parents are largely codependent. It makes sense because when you think your parent is going to die all the time, you feel the need to control. And then you feel the need to have this like ownership and connection to your other relationships, all these things. So my point is, it's good to know just a little bit about it. So I went to meetings. I didn't read any specific books on codependent because like I said, once on codependence, rather, once I realized that's what it was, I just started to get back into my self-worth. Like that for me was the key. It's like once I realized that this was an extension of that, I just delved in to just my healing and growth work. I think that's really beautiful to point out too, Mm -hmm. that some people will want more of the meetings. Mm -hmm. Some people will want more of their own internal thing. I sought out some therapy, actually, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the podcast that dropped today when we're recording this, which was a while ago. It's like episode six is my therapist. Mm. I, I made a very big realization, I guess, mm-hmm. in that when you speak your truth, the rest of all of the self-care stuff kind of goes away. You don't necessarily need it because you're doing the self-care stuff to try to feel okay about yourself and about your situation. When you start speaking your truth, all of a sudden, your situation lines up with your truth. It's kind of magic. It's total magic. And I definitely believe that you need to have an arsenal of tools to get there. For me, like I said, I've read literally, and I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of books on spirituality, self-esteem, growth, healing. And it took one coach to be with me for 20 minutes to tell me the one thing (laughs) that actually made everything all kind of come together. You know what I mean? So therapists, I did amazing therapy. When my father passed away, I did grief counseling. I had an amazing therapist who really did a great job of like, you know, helping to just uncover some of the connections. I'm thinking I'm just there to talk about my grief, but obviously my relationship with my dad became front and center and how that impacted things. So therapist, Instagram friends like us who inspire each other, books, podcasts. I I believe that this is a lifestyle. It's not just like one thing and it needs to be multi-pronged and you need to be a seeker and to find what works for you because my path is not going to be exactly anybody else's path. I'd love to share what I've learned, but everybody kind of has to find their own little arsenal of tools that work for them. It is all about that. And it's so true. It seems like it's in an instant, mm-hmm. but actually it was years in the making. So you, Clearly. when when you have that realization, don't beat yourself yeah. up for the fact that it took as long as it took. You had it when you were meant to have exactly. it. Exactly, And it takes <laughs> what it takes. And that doesn't mean that I haven't made mistakes or fallen since then. But I do love, number one, that I know that I have the power because I've worked on my self-love. I mean, my self-worth and my self-love is where it needs to be. I know that I'm powerful and I know that I can make changes and I know that tomorrow's a new day. So I try not to spend a lot of time in how long it took because it did take a very long time, but it's okay. 
It's okay. Everything happens as it should. And you're absolutely right. You can't spend time there. Because then on the other side, all of a sudden you're free and it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't. I saw I saw the best meme that said something like that. Like when you get there, it'll be a blip. Even if it did take years, the energy in which you hold it in your mind is so different. It's almost like you're grateful because it would not have, you would not be where you are. And it's so cliche, but it's so true. It is, but... You know, cliche for yeah. a reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Makia, you mentioned how important the words I am mm, are. Yes. I actually agree with you. <laughs> actually, I actually, <laughs> of course I agree with you. But saying I am an alcoholic, mm-hmm. I am a codependent. Mm-hmm. It, mm, I, mm, I'm with you. I am a recovering codependent. Sounds better. It feels better. It's still. I exhibit mm. codependent tendencies sometimes, or I'm working on my codependent tendencies. I, I just yeah. think it's really important. And I know that the 12-step groups believe in that and that's their thing and I totally respect it. I just, from an energetic perspective and from all the work that I've done around energy, every single text, whether it be religious, scientific, or um, spiritual, they are all very adamant about the I am. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging certain realities, right? At points, I have had codependent tendency. I've been a crazy codependent crazy person, you know what I mean? But that I don't necessarily need to bring that into the present. And and I think it's power in saying that this is who I was and now this is who I am. I did the work to change this and I did the work to grow from this and learn from this and to help other people down by talking about it. Because I really don't think a lot of people know about this, Elsie. I really don't. I think a lot of women, it's funny, my codependent posts are always my lowest engagement. Whenever I use that word, people like, tune out because I think that they have like this to your point earlier, this notion of what it is and it's very negative or something that they don't feel like applies to them. Ironically, I bet you it does. (laughs) I bet you it does because like I said, everybody, especially women, we're just, we're just kind of raised to be that way. You know, we are, we're absolutely raised to be that way. And at the same time, if you look up the definition of codependency, Mm -hmm. The actual definition says something like it's somebody who feels like they cannot function without this other person. And that's not what the tendencies are. There's a lot more to it. It's you have trouble making decisions. Yes. You can't explain your feelings. Exactly. Exactly. It's things like that. Exactly. Like I said, being needy, yeah. controlling, judgmental, self-sabotaging because you can't make decisions. So it's deeper than that. And see, and that's why when my coach said to me that I was codependent, at first it didn't offend me because I thought it was about this oh, I have these relationships that are very intense. And like I said, it wasn't my favorite part of who I was, but I didn't think it was the worst thing, right? You know, but then when I delve deeper, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is what I've been dealing with. This is a little bit more than romantic relationship stuff. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I think you understand what I'm saying. (laughs) I do, yes. Here's a another question. Mm-hmm. I kind of love this one. I hope it works. <laughs> From the other side, and it's a work, we're all works exactly. in progress, mm-hmm. always. But once you have this recognition and you've started working on yourself, some people listening might be saying, I know someone who needs 
to hear this Ooh. because this is who this person is. Maybe it's themselves. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's whatever. Daughters, whatever. Maybe it's men. I don't know. How can you approach somebody or how would you approach somebody who is displaying these codependent tendencies in a way that's going to be helpful to them rather than just trigger their ego to be like, no, I'm good. I am in control. (laughs) Well, guess what? Since I'm no longer codependent, I don't feel the need to change people. So I mind my business. (laughs) But if someone, no, because literally that's part of it. That is part of it. When you are codependent, you feel like you're responsible for getting everyone to where they need to be. You feel responsible for helping everyone. Oh, yeah, that was a huge part of my codependency. Helping people, overextending myself, being way too involved in other people's personal drama and ingratiating myself in that because that's a big old distraction from the work that I needed to be doing. But it felt I I liked feeling needed. So I would be all in other people's stuff, trying to change them and trying to get them to do what it is I thought they needed to do. And that is a sign of codependency. So now that I don't do that anymore, if someone asked for my opinion, I would tell them that a few things that I think are really good, if possible, for you to do when you're like just discovering that this might be a part of who you are. Definitely research and codependency. I mean, get into it. There's so much information out there. Even if you spend some time on the CODA website, the Codependence Anonymous website, they have general literature that kind of defines it. I highly recommend that. I think that's one of the most important things that you can do. And also, do not date if you can. While you are figuring this out, please Try not to bring other people into your crazy until you figure it out. Because really energetically, all you're going to do is call in someone who is aligned to the same type of drama. I don't want to say drama and I'm not, and it's not a judgment, but I mean, energetically, you attract what you are. So if you're a work in progress, you're going to attract a work. In- We're all a work in progress. But if you really, 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 really need a lot of work, you're probably going to call in someone who really, 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 really needs a lot of work. So while you're doing this, I would recommend <laughs> that you just kind of chill on the dating because you're not really going to be calling in love from a whole place. And it's okay because we can, you know, Marianne Williamson says that relationships are God's holy laboratories where he puts you with the person from whom you can learn the most in that particular moment. And that's fine. But I have found that for me, it's been such a blessing to have this quiet time. One of the beautiful things about being single is I've been able to go on this journey alone. and I don't have to worry about anybody's feelings. I don't have to worry about somebody else's needs while I'm figuring my stuff out. So I would say that. And then also be grateful for this info because like I said, I I am over the moon excited to know that there's nothing wrong with me. I just processed information in a certain way that created a certain belief system that had me making certain decisions. And now that I have new information, I do things and I choose differently. I don't even attract the same type of situation. Like the the guys that I'm attracting are just much different. I'm having much higher quality experiences. It's a completely new world. So read about it. Don't date and be grateful for the info. That is excellent advice. And if you want to hear more about how great it is to be single, I actually have an episode with Michal on that one. Yeah, she is a blogger too. 
I do want to talk about your blog. Let's do that yes. right now. Your blog is The Hope Goddess. What is your blog called? Yeah, thehopegoddess.com. It's a physical blog. It's www.thehopegoddess.com. But I'm mostly active on Instagram where my um, name is Hope Mama, H-A-U-T-E-M-A-M-A-D-C, Hope Mama DC. And a couple of times a week, I, I post about self-love, healing, growth. Um, I share my experiences. I am all about self-reflection and ownership and really digging deep and doing our work. I, I really honestly cannot abide. Well, I shouldn't say that because that's judgmental, but I really get frustrated when people keep focusing on other people and what's wrong with everyone else. And it's like, no, you are the common denominator in all your relationships. And it's for some reason, it goes right over people's heads. But that's my thing, really focused <laughs> on self-reflection, self-correction, owning your stuff, and doing the work of changed behavior, like changing your behavior, not just repeating grand rising and like little cutesy little memes and things like that, which is like kind of all the rage right now, but actually doing the work and not the jargon, the work. We tend to do the same things, but use different words for them. Hello. Yes. Let's not do the same things. Exactly. <laughs> we want to do new things. Yeah. You mentioned this right in the beginning, mm -hmm. and we talked a little bit, just a tiny bit about empathy and codependency. Mm -hmm. I want to kind of do a versus because I feel that a lot of empaths do get caught in the trap of codependency. Mm -hmm. You can actually be an empath and not be codependent mm -hmm. as well. You can also be codependent and not be an empath. I am an empath mm -hmm. because I feel the emotions of others. Mm -hmm. I know what's happening. Mm -hmm. I was so uncomfortable. So I tried to control how they were feeling in order to not feel it. Mm -hmm. Here's the cool thing. It doesn't actually matter how they're feeling. You can still control how you're feeling. And that is really freeing. You can still be an empath. Yep. yep still know what's going on without actually having to feel it because you've regulated yep. your nervous system and you're not going to go there anymore. Yep. Observe, don't absorb. Exactly. Be very clear. And the only thing you can't control is yourself anyway. So like kind of really getting focused on that. But it's funny. I think a lot of people say that they are empaths, but they really are codependent because they don't know what to do with all of the feelings to your point, just like what you just said, like they don't know what to do with all their feelings. So rather than have the right information, I'm in codependent, let me deal with that. They kind of put it back on the fact that they feel too much. Yes, you do feel a lot when you're an empath, but to your point, you can control it when you are empowered. And also when you're not using your empath status as a crutch. And that's why I stopped using it in that regard, because I really do think that it has a lot of great qualities, that word, but the, it could be a little loaded where it's like, well, I'm just sensitive. I can't help it. And I didn't want to fall into that trap. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, I do think that people get it confused. I think a, a litmus test is if you can walk into a room of strangers, or if you go somewhere like with large crowds and you're overwhelmed or if you go to the grocery store and you feel like you can pick up on like the energy there. I think that's more empathic. But if you're like in a room of friends and you and there's drama and you feel overwhelmed by that, I don't think that that's necessarily being an empath. Right. I think that's just you're just too involved in other people's yeah. business <laughs> and that's codependent. And I think people 
or mixing the two up and again, treating the wrong issue. And if you're again, falling back on that empath thing, when the issue is really codependent, you're going to stay on your, your hamster wheel. And you know what a beautiful thing is? If you're treating either issue with coming home to yourself, you'll get there. It fixes both. (laughs) Self love is everything The the self worth getting yourself. I don't have the language. I get so excited about it because it literally focusing on that, forgiving myself, seeing myself as God sees me as whole and beautiful and brilliant. I mean, that just takes care of everything. Understanding that everyone is challenged. Everyone has issues. I don't care what they put on social media. I don't care what they try to present to the world. Everyone is dealing with something and kind of knowing that it's just been so freeing. And it's like, I have issues just like everyone else in the world. Why should I play small? I deserve just as much as anyone else. So so that's, once you get there, it's like all this other stuff, it just falls away. It really does. I, I don't have the, I just, I just get so excited about it because it's just such a new and exciting place to be. Well, I think we can all feel that. <laughs> that's for all empaths listening, right? We all feel it. <laughs> I just cracked myself up. That's really embarrassing. No, this is fun. This is great energy. <laughs> uh, we have fun. Yes. One more thing, just because I can. It's my podcast. I'll be a little shameless. <laughs> I do have an inner circle. And if you are feeling like, oh my gosh, if you've resonated with this a little bit and thinking that, well, I thought I was an empath. Maybe I'm codependent. Maybe I'm both. It's a really... Safe space is such an overused term, but it's a space where you can be you and really look at what's going on with you in a non-judgmental. That's really what what it's all about. Non-judgmental because we've all been through it. We all know we're all works in progress. We all have our shit. Yep. I don't think we swore, did we? No, and I wanted we all to have ask our stuff come if up. I could, but I guess it's too late now. I would have. I could have thrown some. Oh, you told me. <laughs> Because I'm like a mouth of a sailor, but it's okay. <laughs> it's always fun Ooh. to throw a good F-bomb in a spiritually-based podcast. I love it. Well, my <laughs> podcast is actually, it's not so spiritual, in my opinion. I think it is. I know you think it is. <laughs> but that's because that's from where I come, yeah. right? I come from that space of non-judgmental Ooh. and like, well, high vibration. About How about that? Issues. High vibration. Maybe that's a better way. High vibe. Yeah. That's better. Because I definitely swear. (laughs) And spirituality got me through a lot Mm -hmm. right back into the same situation. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh because I'm laughing because the same thing for me. Because again, I had to get back to the middle. I had to get back to that self-worth. It takes many paths, but that's what the end goal needed to be. And that's when things change. When that changed, everything else changed for me. So I get you. I'm right there with you on that. (laughs) Yeah. I fucking can't remember where I was going. You, you said you had like one little... I was talking about the uh, inner circle. And oh, I yes. don't know if I concluded <laughs> that. <laughs> oh my God. No, don't be. Don't even. This is a big thing. You talked about... It's really owning yourself. Like, just own yourself. Yeah. And then who cares? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that just happened for me very recently where I've just been like, I don't care what people think. Like, I really don't. I'm just now getting there. I used to just be so worried. I just don't care anymore because I may not have this quality, but I have this quality and God doesn't give anyone everything at the same time. I'm just like, whatever. I'm just living my life and just, 
I don't know. I just don't need the validation. Oh yeah, that's what it is. The val the, the lack of the need for validation. I don't have that anymore, and that changes with your self worth. When your self worth goes up, that need for validation becomes minuscule. Validation is nice, but I don't need it in that same way. Even like little things I've noticed with my post. If it doesn't get as many likes, it's like it's cool. It was on my heart. I believe that if something's on my heart to say. Someone needs to hear it. It's all good. It's not for everyone. That used to not be me at all. <laughs> I used to be devastated. Those metrics were everything to me. So I know that I'm ascending because I don't care about that kind of stuff as much. Oh, yeah, that's a good way to measure your, mm-hmm. your, your, your self-worth. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> if you don't care how many likes you get, you're doing all right. Um, yep. <laughs> if you do care, don't worry about yeah. it. Look into codependency and everything will be fine. Exactly. <laughs> You'll figure it out. It's okay. It takes what it takes. Makia, <laughs> it, does. it does. What piece of advice uh-huh. do you have just in this moment from the other side of codependency recovery? Just really work on your self-worth. Do what you have to do to unpack your stuff. Start paying attention to your triggers, figuring out what things make you feel not so great and start getting to the bottom of that stuff. Because what you'll find is that at the bottom of your blocks or just things are, are limiting beliefs and random things that happened as in your childhood. Super quick, funny story today. I was at a golf course and there were these little kids and I was like, oh God, this is how it starts. There was a group of kids surrounding one of the kids and they were pointing at the child chanting, liar, liar and I was like oh my god that poor child (laughs) this is how it begins oh I'm sure that he will have some sort of long-lasting effect from this but what we'll find is that when we start to kind of dig deep we'll get to the core of these things that happened to us and our childhood that caused us to create these beliefs that were just untrue and it made sense at the time to a child but now that you're an adult you can unpack it and look at it differently and hold it differently in your mind and it really does change your life so that's the work just really getting to back to the core of who you are the core of how god sees you is just lifting up those and getting rid of those limiting beliefs so you can remember who you really are thank you so much makia you're so it's been a pleasure this is so fun is that it <laughs> What do you say? Are you ready to bust out of the patriarchal programming with the rest of the ladies in the inner circle? It is open to you and we expand exponentially with each new member. The link is in the show notes. Can't wait to see you there. Next week, you're going to hear the second solo episode of the Boundless Heart podcast. The first one is episode number one, where I introduce myself and my premise for the show. This time, I'm going to teach you a very powerful technique which protects you and centers you, clears your mind, and dissolves worries. Until next time, respect yourself so shamelessly, stay true to you, 